Hello, good evening, namaste, and a very warm welcome to Masterclass with Fearless Educators in collaboration with Helios Educare. We are passing through a difficult time, but I'm so amazed to see that we all have adapted to the environment with a very quick change in our own self. My prayers for your safe and healthy life. Before we start, I would like to introduce myself. Myself, Rekha Shah, a passionate educator working as a principal, uh, even working as an international trainer for life skills. I'm a happiness coach for the corporate sector, counselors for children with special needs, and my innovative work has been awarded with Guru Dronacharya Best Trainer Award, uh, the Most Effective Principal uh, Award, and uh, the very dear award is from the UNICEF that is for setting up inclusive education school and the Women Entrepreneur Award for VLCC. Uh, I'm very happy and very thrilled to introduce our today's speaker, Parmita Sharma. The moment I, have, I was just going through her profile, uh, I was so happy uh, because the first thing is like both of us are from Gohati Assam. That really connected me. Second thing is her work, her work with the rural area children and my work with the special children and this connectivity also I thought, yeah, today really I'm going to enjoy and even going to learn a lot from Ms. Parmita Sharma. Parmita Sharma is an associate director and founding trustee of Akshar Foundation. Parmita is a humanitarian and social activist with experience leading project aimed at helping underprivileged children. She completed her master's dissertations and the challenges of educating children in low-income community at Tata Institute of Social Science. When she was barely out of her teens, she was already organizing and managing education program for children in underprivileged communities as well as working in disaster relief program. As the principal of Akshar Forum, she has led the establishment of the school and have overseas daily operations. She is responsible for the day-to-day -day operations of the school and the organizations. So a lot to learn from Parmita today. And uh, before we start, we just I just would like to uh, spell out the rules of uh, the webinar that uh, audience are requested to put their mic on mute. And uh, after the presentation, if you have any questions, you can start uh, putting down in the uh, chat box. And uh, here I invite today's speaker, Parmita Sharma. Parmita? Thank you, ma'am. Thank you so yeah. much for the introduction. Am I audible? Yeah, yeah. Great. Okay, so uh, today I'm going to talk about how our education system needs to evolve to meet the needs of the changing times. So just uh, take a moment to imagine 1 billion well-educated Indians. Just like that, India would become the most important nation on the planet. We all want this. 
but it has always been too expensive until now. I want to share an idea that can achieve this goal with no increase in education funding. We know that sounds too good to be true, but the kids in our school used to be typical statistics, like most children in the world. By age 12, they had dropped out of school, laboring in quarries and factories, smoking and drinking, getting into fights. They were trapped in the vicious cycle of poverty. Now we have dropouts who are back in school, attending every day. They are model students, gaining two grade levels per year. They fix up and improve their communities and receive job training, and all at a similar cost to government schools. So how can schools in India achieve universal quality education and the goal of 1 billion well-educated citizens? It seems the answer was under our noses the entire time. We have to employ children in schools. Schools really need to employ the child laborers. They need jobs. It's not optional for them to work or not, you know? So let's employ them as private teachers for younger children. Employ them to grade tests and quizzes. Employ them to print worksheets and take attendance. We can use cheap child labor to make quality education affordable. Now, elite private schools can afford to hire one adult teacher for every five students. We can train and employ children at a fraction of the cost. This is the key to scalability. This is the key to reaching every child in India. So as it turns out, a teenager with a tablet can be a powerful teacher. We have piloted this idea in our schools. In fact, our students might be the youngest paid teachers in the entire world. Though I need to clarify that they are paid in a digital currency that they can use at the school shop or on Amazon. So at first we thought that the students would want to buy, you know, toys and candies with their earnings, but we saw that they mostly buy sandals, clothes, shoes, things that they really need and that help lower the financial burden on their families. So at first, most of our older students were dropouts who left primary school to start earning. Some as young as 12 years old were working in a local stone quarry, breaking rocks all day in the sun or in the factory or cutting down trees. Girls were kept at home to do housework or sometimes traded off to serve more well-off families. The kids who are lucky enough to have parents, their families expect them to be either housekeepers or breadwinners. So we told the parents, send your daughters and sons to school instead of manual labor, and they will earn more money in school. Now student wages start off very low. So some parents complain that the kids could earn more money by doing manual labor. So we told them that if you send them to school, they will earn more and more as they learn more. But if you send them to a quarry, they will earn the same amount of money for the rest of their lives. Now this pitch was very convincing. We could convince the parents uh, to send their kids back to school. So we got dropouts back into school, attending on time every single day and convinced them to abandon manual labor. We started getting more and more kids until the school was at capacity. We easily went from 20 to 100 kids in one year. Our kids that insist on coming to school every day, even if their parents don't care about schooling, Kids that protest if school is closed, forcing us to remain open over summer break and winter holidays. Like our school is open the whole year. We don't close because of the demand from students. Within a year, we had a hundred more kids on wait lists. Parents were begging to send their kids, pouring out their tragic stories to us every day. 
it was really heartbreaking to send them away, but we had no option until we could build more classrooms. Nevertheless, it showed us that this concept could get dropouts back into school and keep them there. But in our first year, we still wondered, can older children be trained into effective private teachers for younger students? Can we teach children how to be teachers? Now we know the answer to that question. Turns out kids can be amazing teachers. And the more they are motivated, which they are, because they earn more money when they are better teachers and know more, the more effort they put in teaching younger students. So I'll talk about one of our students, Deepika. She is the first student in our school to decide to become a doctor when she grows up. She was recently promoted in school, and now she can teach three students at once and earn a higher wage. So while she's teaching a worksheet, she is very creative and comes up with her own examples. I'll share a video link here. So if you want to watch the videos of our students teaching, you can uh, go through that. I'm not able to share that in the presentation, unfortunately, but uh, you, know, you can just go through that to get an idea of how great they are as teachers. So younger children, they can also relate more to the seniors in their schools than to their teachers. But when we were young, we look up to the seniors in our school, but the teachers, they seem like they are from another world. So this also helps younger children to relate to their older teacher and give more attention to their lessons. There is another family story of a family that studies in our school. So they are the Kumari sisters. Their father operates a snack cart in the village. He's happy because his two elder daughters, Preeti and Bandhan, they get paid to teach their six-year-old sister Sandhya every day at school and at home. So now Sandhya, the youngest of the siblings, is learning English beyond her grade level. Like she can give competition to elite private school students like any day. You know, which means that if children get support at home, which these student teachers provide, they can do wonders. And when and if when these girls become mothers, which is typically very common in a village uh, with girls of Preeti's age, you know, girls are married up at age 13 and 14. Like that's a very common phenomenon. But when those girls become mothers, they will be able to teach their children so that they can be more ready when their children start school. So this cumulative exponential effect is how we can achieve the goal of 1 billion educated in India. This is how we can close the achievement gap between rich and poor and finally provide quality education for all. In this education model, which we call meta teaching, which is teaching how to teach in a kind of a pyramid scheme, every young student has daily private lessons from an older, caring, paid student under direct supervision of adult teachers. That one-on-one -on -one attention is the key. The goal isn't to replace adult teachers. All the students have regular classes with adult teachers like other schools. Rather, the goal of meta teaching is to replace the role that an educated parent would serve at home in a middle or upper class family. Privileged families, they help their kids with homework at night. They give them encouragement. They send them to private classes and tuitions. And that is the key to their success in school. But some kids, especially the underprivileged kids, they have nothing. There is another case study at our school of two boys who are orphans, Prashanta and Bhargav. Each of them were abandoned by their mothers. But we can put them together every day and make sure that young Bhargav has someone in his life encouraging him to learn and supporting his growth. The younger student is thrilled to have someone focus on them daily. But the best part of the meta teaching system is the older student benefits a lot too. 
15-year-old Prashanta dropped out of primary school and was working in a quarry as a woodcutter before he was 12. His mother left him and his sister when they were young. He came to us in 2016, all on his own, and asked to be enrolled in the school. He and the other older boys liked how we did not shame them for not knowing the alphabet and how we let them move through the curriculum at their own pace. So when we take a new admission, we test the kids' English and math level and then place them accordingly. So if we have a kid who's first coming to the school and the kid knows nothing, the kid will start at level one, irrespective of their age. So at our school, kids are grouped based on their skills and not by their age. And when that kid masters a particular topic, that particular kid goes on to the next class. It's not like a whole class is promoted. So the kids, they are you know, encouraged and they are motivated to learn at their own pace. So when Prashanta here started teaching, that's when he really transformed. So even though he only teaches for one or two hours per day, his wages are based on his progress in school. So the more he learns, the more he earns. He went from learning his ABCs to sixth grade Cambridge English level in just three years. And he's an excellent teacher now. But as we had hoped, becoming a better teacher made him a better learner too. He has gained leadership skills, communication skills, deep compassion and confidence. He also has the respect of the younger children and has become a happier, more responsible person. He earns his wages in a fake currency, which he can use at school to buy whatever he wants. He mostly buys food, clothing, shoes that we get from local shops, or he orders online himself on Amazon. He also has a school bank account. He fills out weekly timesheets for his wages and files employee reports. He also fills withdrawal and deposit slips to manage his money as he learns to save and budget. By becoming a teacher, he learns how to be an adult. But he doesn't just learn how to be a teacher. He has classes in English, math, science, computers, all the subjects he needs to earn his secondary certificate. But as much as possible, students also receive vocational and entrepreneurship training, solar technician training, embroidery, office work, animal shelter, welding, carpentry, and landscaping, among other trades, all incorporating their lessons from math, English, and science classes. So like Mahatma Gandhi taught us, our school blends traditional academics with hands-on practical learning that can help them develop their own community, get an apprenticeship, or start a business. Now, this is a part of the promise we make to each student and their families, a promise we think every school should make to underprivileged children. We tell them we are going to train you and guide you until you are placed into a high skill profession. We call this school to career pipeline. A few of them will make it to college to become doctors or engineers or get a degree, maybe 10%. But the vast majority of them will not. And that is the reality of our society. So should we just continue to label these 90% of children as dropouts and losers and wish them the best of luck? Or maybe it's about time schools put some dignity and pride into training carpenters, plumbers, and electricians, and make sure they still have a decent education in language, arts, financial math, and civics. Now, one day we hope to offer a new kind of degree, as one British think tank suggested, master craftswoman or master craftsman, to carpenters, gardeners, and electricians to offer dignity to professionals of all stripes. Now, but before they get their degrees, 
our students of all ages will already be working to improve their communities and their environment. Every student is trained to be a teacher. And likewise, every student is trained to be a technician in the school recycling center. Older kids get paid to sort and recycle the plastic, but children of all ages are required to pay weekly plastic school fees instead of actual money. Now we have this one image that spread all over the world like wildfire. I'm not sure if you'll be able to show that image. Uh, do you think it might be possible to show that image uh, with Pankar or maybe not? I guess I'll just continue. The separate image that I had sent you of the boy, uh, there's like a plastic kid with plastic bags in his hands, that image. So this image, now this is the image that went viral. Now we think that this image went viral because, uh, you know, uh, this picture shows a paradigm shift. Like this picture of a determined young child touching a school bag in one hand and his plastic school face in the other. And this is a new way of thinking. You know, it shows that children can be an important resource in fixing the problems of the world. And they can receive the best kind of education in the process. What if every school in the world had a policy like this? Maybe we could slow the growth of the swirling continents of plastic choking the ocean. So we have seen how this idea works in a government school in Delhi. Before we started, the general agreement among school leaders and teachers was that the students were hopeless and that they are criminals, with one official actually warning us that they might stab us. That was because about 40 students from 100 students, they were coming from an orphanage and they had a lot of issues, like they, they were either abandoned, they did not know who their parents were, or their parents were in jails. So, you know, it was, uh, it was like a very difficult situation. But within two months, they became model students. So in addition to receiving wages for being responsible teachers, students also pay fines for any misbehavior. And I'll tell you, no amount of timeouts, detentions, or even beatings will compare to this thing of losing money. It works for adults and it definitely works for children. So the local government was so impressed with the transformation of the students that they want us to reform more schools this year. So we have seen how this model can transform angry, alienated teens into responsible model students and model citizens. No more bullying, no more isolation. Every student can have a purpose and feel like they belong. Even some developed countries can benefit from a model like this other than Finland, which is doing just fine already. But in the US, many schools drill their students for active shooters with machine guns, the way we drill students for earthquakes or fire, instead of addressing the real problem, the alienation of youth. They can stop the madness if schools take it upon themselves to make sure that young people have a sense of purpose and belonging. Schools need to make career placement and small business incubation a part of their responsibilities, especially for kids in poverty. So for the short term, we are doing solar tech training, installing rainwater harvesters, operating recycling units, and planting trees. But the end game is to train all teenagers for large-scale environmental cleanup and disaster relief, building shelters, providing food and water, first aid, and building more schools so that they can learn the work of resettling refugees and people displaced by climate change. Wildfire, air pollution, floods, rising sea levels, drought, now pandemics, food shortages, and mass migration are becoming the new norm. 
and the jobs of the future will be in addressing these. So schools need to take drastic steps to ensure that children are trained for these jobs and prepared for the challenges ahead. Uh, can you please go to the beginning of this uh, PPT? I would like to uh, go through the PPT now. Great. So uh, this is the problem that we have in India. You know, we have poor families and they have to send their children to poor performing schools because they have no option, which results in dropouts and employment and child rise. And then those people, they go start their own families and the vicious cycle just goes on. And we are not able to break the cycle of poverty. So can you please go to the next slide? So what we are trying to do is we are trying to break that cycle of poverty. How? By employing at-risk teens and dropouts as teachers for younger children. So in this picture, there is this one kid in white shirt. They are the student teachers. And he is leading this group of four kids. He is able to pay individual attention to every kid because uh, he has only four students. And he knows the content very well because he is in level eight, but these kids are in level four. So what happens here is we can pay individual attention to every child. And then he is not doing this completely on his own. We have an adult teacher or supervisor who's going and seeing that all the student teachers are teaching well and evaluating them. So when the students get paid, so our students get paid every Friday. And on Friday, they have to fill an evaluation sheet which contains where they are in math, the level in math, the level in English, and how effective they were as teachers. They are also, they get their money, depends on how effective they are as teachers. So kids are putting a lot of attention and heart and energy into teaching because their money depends on that. This also helps us keep this at-risk teens at school, otherwise they would have to go out and work. And then we can provide individual coaching for young children at very low cost. Now the one-on-one -on -one teaching is really the key to success for anyone. And that is just not possible to provide for poor people. But we can do that when we hire student teachers. Also, this kid, when he's leading this group of four kids, he also develops leadership skills. We take feedback from the student teacher. How was your student in class today? Did they understand something? What did they not understand? So they also become very aware of what they are teaching and the process of learning of their students, you know, which stays with them for the rest of their lives. Uh, can you please go to the next slide? So we are trying to break this vicious cycle of poverty by training every student as a teacher for small classes, which helps us retain the kids in school because they are earning money at school to stay in school and not go out to work. Those students, they also receive vocational training. Kids who are interested in higher education will help them with online colleges. We also guarantee job placement at our school. And we also want to do small business incubation as a part of our school, you know, so that we can empower young people to start their own businesses, which is what will lead them to move up higher in the social structure. Uh, so when we have uh, trained people, like suppose anyone who's doing say vocational training, now that kid, when they have children, they're already effective teachers because they have been teaching for eight, nine years of their lives, you know? So those students who will become parents, they will be able to teach their own children properly and provide them the support that they need at home so that they can move forward. And that is how we think that we can break this vicious cycle of poverty. Can you please go to the next slide? So this is our methodology. The entire school is a teacher training facility where every student is a part-time teacher. We have a military system where students are incentivized to learn more, to earn more, with wages based on their academic level and teaching performance. 
So the first image that we have is like of a regular classroom where you have like about 30 students and one qualified teachers. It's really hard to keep students engaged, you know, and not to mention the students are at different levels. So when I was in school and there is this class five students, not everyone is at the same level. So everyone's retention capabilities is also not the same. Their learning process is also not the same. So, you know, to have effective uh, education, what we do is we divide the groups into smaller classes, depending on their level, depending on what they know, like the second image. And there, the ones in the blues, they are the junior teachers. So this way, what happens is that we can ensure that every student receives individual attention and there is an adult teacher who's supervising all the time. So everything happens under supervision at all times. And this is a typical uh, routine that we have. So suppose, um, as you can see, in the beginning, the kids learn their own subject geography. Then they teach students of younger class. Then they have their English classes. Then his one-on-one -on -one mentoring is we have an hour every day where older kids teach the younger kids alone. Now, this is for half an hour for one student, about 20 minutes, but the whole thing goes on for one hour. Uh, then the kids do math on Khan Academy, which they love doing. I'm sure you all are familiar with how Khan Academy works. So it's easy for us to implement the Khan Academy at our school because we have the student mentors. The student mentors help the younger ones navigate through the tablet and help them learn on that. And then our students watch videos of their choice. We give them options. They choose what they're interested in and they watch that. And then they do vocational training from two o'clock to six o'clock. And you will see that if you have a kid who is in class five English, the kid might be in class six in math or class seven on math, depending on his or her skills. There is nothing like you are age 13. So you can you just go to the next slide? Yeah. So what happens with the student teachers? They gain self-esteem. Now the poor kids, they have a very low self-esteem because they're treated like garbage by the society. So when you are leading a class, when you have young children coming up and telling you, sir, ma'am, it really increases their self-esteem, which is very essential for them. They also have more respect for the adult teachers mm -hmm. because they learn how difficult it is to be a teacher. And then that makes them better learners as well and have more respect for the teachers. We have improved learning outcomes, both for the student teachers and the younger students, because the younger students get one-on-one -on -one attention. And then the older kids, they develop their leadership skills, they develop work experience, they have to know their content well to be able to teach. And they also learn financial skills because they are managing the money that they get from the school. They also get spending money from school for their basic needs, which is enough earning so that they can stay in school. Can you please go to the next slide? So we have many issues of, you know, broken homes and abandoned homes where Kids are not given any attention at all. So this daily one-on-one -on -one mentoring really helps the younger kid focus and stay in school and have the desire to learn. Next slide, please. So our students, they also collect plastic waste from homes around the village. As you can see in the first image, after school, they go door to door and they collect plastic and they make eco bricks with the plastics uh, that is made by stuffing plastic wrappers into plastic bottles and it becomes very tight like a brick. That brick can be used for different kinds of construction. So here we have like a small planter that our students made with the eco bricks. And that planter contains about 25,000 bags of plastic. So the students are also learning about recycling by doing something about it, you know, not just reading it in books. And that is what we are trying to do, get the kids to learn by doing the things themselves. Our next slide, please. So our school also works as a community center where we help parents and our students get documentation because these poor people, they are not documented. They have no PAN card, no bank accounts, no ration card, no birth certificate, nothing. So our school also works as a center where the parents can come 
and ask requesters for what they want, what documents they need, and we help them do that. Our older students, they help in filling out the forms to help out their community members to get different documents. We got birth certificates for these students. Like about 80% of our students do not have birth certificates. So now we are working to get birth certificates for our students. Can you go to the next slide, please? So this is like one kid uh, who had a lot of issues when he started. Uh, he didn't have clothes to wear. He didn't have, uh, you know, slippers. He would come barefoot, lots of issues, anger issues. His father is an alcoholic. His mother has mental illness. But now this kid is like completely changed at school. And why? Because he has the respect of younger students. He has the authority to spend his money the way he wants. He earns his respect by not teaching younger students, by getting their respect. And that has completely transformed this kid. And then our model is, such, is made in such a way that one single qualified teacher can lead a class of 100 students. And that helps the students stay in school as well because they're getting the individual attention like you have seen. Now, can we go to the next slide, please? So we also have regular field trips for our schools, you know, so that they're exposed to new experiences. Because these poor kids, like their aim in life is to be a driver or a laborer because that is what they see around them. So we're also trying to widen their horizon by having new experiences so that... Uh, no, they can aspire to become more. Next slide, please. So this is our model. I guess I have five minutes, so I'll be quick. We have one senior teacher with like three junior teachers. So these local teachers, we hire from the community because we want to bring up the community as well. It should not be that we just have like an outsider coming in, you know? So we have one senior teacher who's capable, qualified. And then under that person, we have three junior teachers. We hire from the community who are like school graduates and then under them we have about like 30 student teachers class seven eight nine students uh, you know and then below them we have the younger students so this is like a pyramid scheme that we follow at school which helps us have low cost per child and then provide quality education next slide please so we are working in a government school in delhi and now the idea is to replicate our model in government schools we are also in talk with the mp government to start working in two schools in gwalior with our model of including vocational training, grouping the kids by the skills. And if that works, our idea is to replicate our model in every government school in India, because the only way to scale is to work in government schools. So now we are focusing all our energy into working in government schools. Next slide, please. I think we are done here. This is just a picture of the kids farming and that's it. So um, schools need to evolve now to rethink what students are capable of and unlock a vast wealth of untapped potential. If every school in the world takes steps like this, they can improve the quality of education and help the world face the challenges ahead at the same time. Schools can become centers for community transformation, incubating small businesses, provide skills training, and placing students into apprenticeships and entry-level jobs. Like we have partnered with the solar panels firm to develop a solar technician course for 14 to 16 year olds so that they can be ready to start earning for their families and have a high skill career at the same time. These new schools can also help the workers who are displaced by automation and AI to find a new purpose in life while they gain a sense of purpose from helping educate the next generation. Now, people don't have to be the problem. Overpopulation is often pegged as the main threat to the world, as if we human beings are the biggest threat to life on Earth. But what if instead of billions of poor, uneducated, and unemployed liabilities, we have masses of educated, empowered, enterprising families using creativity and innovation to fix their local communities? What if schools all over the world harness the power of teens and children 
What if social ills become teachable moments and we incorporate them into the children's lessons in schools? The local work of millions of schools can add up to a huge difference. It may be enough to tackle the existential threats facing the global community. And it all starts by educating the whole child. Thank you for listening. We can't hear you. I think you are on mute. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much, Parmita. In one line, I would like to appreciate your work. That is, you have changed pain into power. And that we salute you for that. Thank uh, you so much. Even it was amazing to hear all about universal quality education, employing children, teenagers with tablet, paid digital currency. What a fantastic idea. And uh, you did not, you don't, you don't shame them. It's so nice that you know you don't shame children, but you know how you motivate them and recycling system and sense of purpose and belonging. So thank you very much for your true work. And uh, I, I'll say you are a true inspirations for all the uh, educators and uh, truly the government schools also. I pray that yes. The government, all the government schools get this model and starts working. So now audience, it is your turn. So we can start with the question answer session. Great, so I'll just read the questions and answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yes, audience. Well, the first question, how do you break the barrier of parental expectations? I mentioned in the talk that it was hard to get the parents to cooperate. But once they started realizing that when the kids learn more, their earnings will go higher up in their lives, that's enough incentive for parents to want to send their kids to learn more. And the second one. Yeah. Uh, with such uh, disparity in the schooling system, in the form of curriculum, infrastructures and fee, how can one ensure quality opportunities for all? I think we have to fix up our government schools. There is no way around that yeah. because this whole thing of sending, you know, rich kids to elite schools and the poor kids having to go to government school, we are creating a class difference in itself. And that really has to yeah. stop. So if you really want to empower everyone, we have to make government schools better. So good like Finland so that, you know, parents are motivated to send their kids and they put in their investment into the school so that we can bring up the school there. So we really think that government schools have to be for everyone, you know, and that's the only way we can provide equal opportunities for all. Agree, completely agree. Before I read out question number three, Parmita, I have one question. Yes, that please. How you manage your finance then? Finance? Yeah, how yeah, do you manage? struggling. That's always an issue, of course. So we were lucky enough to be funded by Oil India Limited. Our Assam School is funded by Oil India Limited. And uh, okay. now we have another trust motivation for excellence based in Mumbai. They trust us, they like our model, they funded our school in Delhi. But our idea yeah. is to get the government to fund our program. So our plan is to go yeah. to Gwalior. And when we go to Gwalior, our teachers are going to be doing a teacher training program to you know, help the government teachers learn our model. And then we are hoping okay. that the government can hire our people as teachers. Because that's the only way to okay. become self-sustainable. So we are working towards that. Agree, agree. Thank you so much and all our good wishes to you. Thank Our you. question number three is, what according to you should a student of the future await for? Open schooling format or regular schooling with merits and demerits balanced? I think we need to start training students now for the issues ahead. 
And I really think that like our model, you know, it helps everyone. Even if you just take our model and put that in for, for like elite school students, they will still benefit from that because there are so many life skills that you learn. So for now, we yeah. don't know what is in our future. You know, we really don't know. We don't know when AI will take over. So what we can do, the best we can give students is to be creative, give them the space to be creative, make them adaptable so that whatever the future has in store for us, they are ready to experiment and explore and, you know, do what they're required to do instead of just confining them to like a box and saying, okay, this is it. I mean, there might not be no need for doctors in future. You know, AI will be so yeah. much better than human doctors that there's probably like 80% of our jobs won't be there. So we need the kids yeah. to be adaptable and that's what we need to train them for. True, true. Very, very true. Uh, question number four is empowering teachers in the first step to school transformation. What are the other factors? Um, so if we actually want to transform a school, <clears throat> we have to consider the holistic development of the child, which we don't do. You know, if a kid is hungry, then how will the kid learn? If there is physical abuse happening at home, how will the kid concentrate at school? So instead of trying to look at school as one separate thing, like we have health NGOs and, you know, menstruation hygiene NGOs and education NGOs, instead of having all these separate things, we need to combine everything into one thing. And that's what we are trying to do, provide like one place for the community, for the students to come and work on a different aspect. And only then we can hope to actually achieve, you know, any kind of transformation. Yeah, thank you. So wonderful to even hear your answers also. So our question number five is, what do you think? What is more important for children, uh, worksheet or practical approach? Uh, both, I would say both, you know, practical approach more so because you learn so much by doing. And then what we do at our school is uh, whatever they're learning, whatever vocational training or anything they're learning hands on, the worksheets are designed to fit that. So that students can, there's like a connectivity between the vocational training and the worksheets that they are doing, which makes them really enjoy doing the worksheets. So we need to make education, like for example, in Finland, you must have known, they don't have subjects anymore. They take a topic and they study the different aspects of the subjects. So, you know, that's what we need to aim for also, so that it's more enjoyable for the kids instead of just making them, you know, just do something that they don't want to do or just making them repeat the same thing over and over. Yes, Parmita, totally I agree with you. And one thing I wonder that why we wait that when children will grow, they will do. I can see that exactly. yes, the childhood also, they can make miracles. We really don't have to wait. Then you will do this. And I think that trust Definitely. which your Akshar Foundation is doing is, is really, really very nice. Okay. Thank you so uh, much. Any other questions, uh, uh, audience? He yeah. says, are there no legal implications in employing minors as paid laborers? Now, here's the thing. That is a controversial thing. But in general, from age 14 to 18, you can work three hours every day. That's the government rule. And forget the government rule. Yeah. There are kids who are working in, as child laborers. Are we doing anything about that? No. That's happening yeah. even now. And because of pandemic, our students are working as child laborers now because schools are closed. Now, what do we do? Because they have to earn money to eat, you know, to feed themselves, to pay their rent. So we have to not think about the legal aspects and think about what is actually happening. Yeah. There is a big difference in that. And all our laws and ideas, you know, they don't take the factor in that children need money to give, you know, feed themselves. So, yes, I mean, uh, we are fine in terms of like we have 14 to 16 years, uh, 18 years. They work only for three hours, but we are not even considering that. We in fact, go by we are using child labor, you know, to end child labor. Like that's our motto. 
because that's the only way we can actually help a kid by helping them to earn enough money to stay in school so that you know they can do what they want to do in their lives very true very true what i'll say you know pramita that 21st century illiteracy won't be where we are not able to read and write but 21st century illiteracy will be when we are not able to learn relearn and unlearn exactly. and i'm so glad that you are giving this experiences to the young children you know adaptability now see because of the pandemic so many changes have happened and i'm so amazed to look at the teachers adaptability many of the jobs uh, in futures is won't be available so we exactly. need to find out that what, what is uh, coming in front of us and our kids are good problem solver they are more optimistic they are hard working you know many things are needed i think this is how the face of the school must change must change yeah uh, audience yes now uh, anything from your side any question yeah pramita can i ask one question ma'am yes please yeah uh pramita uh, when these kind of kids you get well, how do you deal with a discipline problem so the students get fine when they behave wrong in school so they earn money for teaching but if they do something wrong they pay fine and it works like it works with others when you are driving on the wrong side and then you are fine you probably wouldn't do that again same with kids so we have like no discipline problem in school right because of that yeah very nice even one question is in the chat box that uh, parmita what is your inspiration uh i thought i mean my inspiration would be uh, <laughs> well, yeah i inspired you to do uh, this yeah you know there's so many poor people in the world like if we don't do something who will we are privileged we have the opportunities and it's high yeah. time that we make the yes. right choices with our opportunities and we can't progress as a yeah, society yeah. if there is a discrimination like we have a rich and a poor class it doesn't work like that you know so we have to work towards providing yeah, an equal true, opportunity true. for everyone very true uh, how do you deal them now any, in corona time when they are not able to come physically Uh, so we are trying to do mobile online classes but that's not working out great honestly because it took us a long time to even get like cell phones for 40 students not to mention they have like you know leaking yeah, roofs yeah. and lots of issues so we are still struggling but we are trying to provide worksheets and mostly trying to do online training for now but honestly this doesn't work this digital learning does not work for poor people and when you have a full fledged school it's still difficult to you know get them into the mainstream so no it is affecting us pretty bad It's, it's yeah, yeah, sure. thank you thank you so much yeah. and you are doing great i must say that thank you so much thanks a lot so last one minute we can take one more question yes hello ma'am pramita ma'am how would your model go for some private good schools any other idea regarding the affluent class of people who are having children who don't do anything i think so I think the same idea of just employing students as teachers it goes a long way because even if you look in like you know affluent societies the kids when you when they are earning money it's not the same as receiving money from parents so when they have that freedom that you know that they can do whatever they want with the money they become teachers they become more responsible so i think that whatever we are doing can be exactly replicated in private schools but maybe the vocational trainings can be more in terms of like having a nursing school like that's what we plan on anyway but because of lack of funding we haven't been able to do that 
but the vocational training can be kept in mind, uh, keeping into mind the profession that they might like to follow. And otherwise, just employing teachers, sorry, students as teachers, it really works wonder, works wonders. And you have to see that to believe it. Now, if you get a time, I did share a Google Drive link. If anyone of you get time, please do go through that. There are some videos of students teaching, and then you can see how great they are as teachers. Yeah, this was mind blowing. I think this is a solution-oriented approach. I have talked to you. You are a blessing to all these children, and you have highly inspired me. I'm working with so a Cambridge school in Mumbai, and I think uh, getting money or allowing children to work for money probably might not uh, be an uh, uh, an interesting thought for parents. But yes, uh, selling the other ideas like child becomes more confident, learns more when he teaches more, and trying to talk about empathy. And all those things probably might sell the idea, and I honestly like it. Is there any way that you so or your team can give us a proper guidance and consultation if definitely a system? Yes, please. If you can just drop me an email, yeah. I'll get back to you immediately. Okay. In case if you can remember yeah. your name, is Dr. Jaya Parekh. I will. I will remember your name. I see it. Yeah, yeah. I've saved it. Thank you so much. Yeah. God bless you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. So I think yeah. One more thing I'll add that yes, kids are learning the money management, which we adult also lack at times. You know? Yes. So that's a great with your program. Anyway, so we are coming to the end of today's webinar. A big thank you to Parmita Sharma for sharing her fabulous, authentic work. A big thank you to future school leaders for organizing masterclass for fearless educator. A big thank you to Helios Educare for promoting this program and uh, good luck and best wishes and see you all for the next uh, webinar thank you very much bye bye thank you so much bye bye